Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the February 17th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Big show today. I uh, got my betting preview and picks for the Genesis Invitational Big PGA Tour event this week. Uh, three picks in college basketball for February 17th. Two NHL picks. And I'm also going to answer a question from a listener that sent me a question uh, here this past week about the Martingale system. Uh, before I get into that, I, got, I need to bring something up. Um, that I'm starting to see a little bit of a trend on in sports betting Twitter. Uh, as sports betting is becoming more illegal uh, in, in, in America, it's, it's, I mean, it has just absolutely exploded, it seems like, even just in the past year. A uh, lot of new people in the space, a lot of new touts. Uh, I mean, I, think, I feel like I find a new tout every single day on Twitter who claims that they've gone 50-2 and two in their last 52 picks. Uh, but whatever, that's always going to be the case. Uh, but one thing that I'm seeing a trend, uh, even among some people that I, that I respect, um, and it's a trend that needs to stop. Stop with the collab bets, <laughs> okay? What does that even mean? A collab bet, a collaboration. Yo, this is me and my boy, uh, Jimmy's picks, we're collabing on this one, taking uh, Illinois tonight, minus four, it's a collab pick. What the fuck does that even mean? What do you do, just message each other, you like this pick? Yeah. Do you like this pick? Yeah. Do you want to call it a collab pick? Sure. Like, what are you guys doing? Or one of you guys uh, handicapping one team, the other te- the guy handicaps the other team, and then you meet up together and compare your notes and call it a collab pick? What is this? <laughs> I'm seeing this trend lately, and it's ridiculous. What even is a collab pick? What are you doing? <laughs> it's silly. If you like the pick, you handicapped it by yourself. I mean, like I said, unless you're splitting up the work and then handicapping half and half, but why would you even do that? It doesn't take very long to handicap a game at max. At absolute max, if you're handicapping a game, it might take 30 minutes at max. Which leads me to another pet peeve I have recently. And this is one that I see a lot in Twitter totes, guys who try to sell their picks or, or sell packages. Yo, I've been I've been in the lab all night working on this pick. I've been in the lab grinding. I've been I was up all night working on this pick. It's a guaranteed max bomb lock. I've been grinding away in the lab. It's like how long can you look at a game? 
<laughs> if you look at every single stat possible in a game, like I said, that would take you max 30 minutes. Like, there's nothing else you can look at after the first 30 minutes. Look at stats, look at some box scores, um, look at a couple trends. Uh, I mean, like I said, you really, really dig down into a game as much as possible. It's 30 minutes, and some guys are like, oh, I've been up all night looking at this one game. It's a guaranteed pick. <laughs> it's not like the longer you look at stats, you're going to find a pick that's 100%. That's not possible. In sports betting, you're trying to turn what's a coin flip. If you're talking about spreads, you're t- trying to turn a coin flip that's 50% uh, each side into like maybe 55% uh, towards your advantage at the very best. And even that's uh, kind of ambitious. Uh, to say that like... <laughs> that's what guys say, that they've been like looking at a game for hours and it's supposed to make you feel more confident in their pick. Stop the collab bets and stop pretending like you've been studying one single game for hours on end. You, there's just there's a limited amount of things you can look at, folks. That's right. I'm coming over my vacation, firing on all cylinders. Uh, yeah, I was on vacation last week. Fantastic vacation. A little bit of a mental refresh. Uh, did a lot of drinking the first couple days. Played a lot of video games, and then basically I slept the entire weekend. It was glorious. My brain is refreshed. I think I slept more this past weekend than I did the entire football season combined. Uh, it was perfect. I tried to stay off Twitter, but I mean, I and I did for the most part, but I instead of looking at it basically like six hours a day like I do now, I might have looked at it 30 minutes to an hour a day. Um, I mean, there was, I, I couldn't go anywhere. I was stuck in my apartment, so uh, I still ended up looking at Twitter, and I just found some things that annoyed me. Uh, and I'm finding more and more as, like I said, sports betting is starting to explode, um, I'm finding more pet peeves because uh, it's, a, it's a new space. Uh, people are unfamiliar with it, and there's a lot of morons who are trying to invade it right now to make a quick buck. Uh, but enough of complaining. <laughs> I do want to talk about, uh, like I mentioned there before I get into my actual picks uh, for the show here, I do want to talk about the Martingale system. Uh, I'm going to bring up the guy's name who asked me this question, if I can find it here really quick. Because um, it is it, it is an interesting thought, and it's if you don't know what the Martingale system is, I guarantee that you've actually probably... Um, thought about doing it yourself without even knowing that it's a system that has an actual uh, name behind it. Um, is it this guy? Yes, uh, Michael Bowling sent me this question. Um, he said, how do you feel about the Martin- Martingale betting strategy? And um, and yeah, he wanted to know my thoughts on it. So what the Martingale betting strategy is, is basically if you lose a pick, lose a bet, then you double down your next bet to make up the winnings to get back to even. And then if you win a bet while you're at even, you kind of put that money aside. So let's say, just for simplicity's sake, uh, $10 bets. Let's say uh, uh, $10 is what your unit size is. You win $10, you put that aside, uh, you're back to square. You win $10 again, uh, you, you put that aside, you're back to square. You lose a bet, so then you're down $10. Uh, then the next bet you make is $10, try to get back to even. If you lose that, then your next bet's going to be $20 to get back to even. If you lose that, you're down 40 bucks. So then you have to make a $40 bet to try to make uh, make it back to even. And basically you keep doubling the size of your bet until you win, which would then bring you back to even. Uh, and then you try, and then you go back to $10 bets and then put aside any profit that you get. Uh, in theory, it makes sense. Uh, in theory, you think, uh, yeah, why don't you just double down a bet when you lose? And then if you win your next one, you're, I mean, you're back to square. I mean, basically, that's kind of what tilt betting is anyways, isn't it? When you have a bad day, you kind of go all in on the on a 11.30 p.m. Pac-12 late at night game to try to win it all back. Um, but this is kind of a little bit more systematic. And in theory, it would work. In theory, it would work. 
if you had an unlimited bankroll and a sports book that didn't have any limits on how much you could bet on a single game, then it would work. Because eventually, you're not going to lose 100 bets in a row. Uh, eventually, you, you would hit a bet that would bring you back to even. But let me just break down the numbers here to, to let you know why this doesn't work. Because this can very, very, very quickly get out of hand. And I want to say before I get into this, hand up. I've done this in, exp- in my own experience, not sports betting, but blackjack. Blackjack's my vice. i got to fucking cut myself off from blackjack. I've lost enough money in my life in blackjack, and I've tried this strategy before, and it was an absolute disaster. Um, so like I said, make a bet, lose. Next one's going to be $10 again. I uh, lose two bets in a row. Next one's 20 and then it would go 40 80 160, 320, 640, and then $1,280. So if you went on a even just a, a, a six-bet losing streak, your seventh bet would be $320. And don't forget this is all based off of if you're only betting $10 a game. So if you're only if your unit size is $10, a $320 bet is absolutely massive, and you should never be making that big of a bet. But all you need to go on is a six-bet losing streak. And then if you're following the system, your next one's $320. And then you go on a seven-bet losing streak. Your next one's $640. And then before you know it, you have to try to make a $1,280 bet. And this is... this is uh, how many bets is that for you to have to make a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight bets in a row for then your next bet to be one thousand two hundred eighty dollars, starting off just a ten dollar bet. And like I said, if you're betting ten dollars, uh, I'm guessing twelve hundred eighty dollars is probably more than what your rent is. Um, not good. It can get very dangerous very, very, very quickly. And if you think, oh, yeah, but I'd never lose six bets in a row. Oh, I'd never lose seven bets in a row. If you think that, then you haven't been betting long enough or you haven't been paying attention to how your bets have been going because I can guarantee you that happens. I've gone on this bad of a losing streak recently, just last month in college basketball. I hit like a seven-bet losing streak. So don't think it won't happen. And another thing that you have to think about is what's called the gambler's fallacy. And this is something that everyone who bets at all, if you're at the casino betting blackjack, if you're betting roulette, big time roulette, if you're betting sports betting for sure, you need to know what the gambler's fallacy is. It's a psychological bias. It's a bias where you think if you've lost five, let's say five times in a row, there's less of a chance that you'll lose the sixth sixth time in a row. So let you lose five straight bets and you're like, yeah, but I'm not going to lose six straight bets. You need to know probability, statistically, if you lose five bets in a row, that sixth bet has just as much of a chance as losing as the first bet that you made. The past results have no bearing on future results. Same with roulette, to kind of make it simple if we're talking about roulette. If it's hit hit red five times in a row, and this is a natural psychological bias that human beings have, even me knowing about the gambler's fallacy, I still can't help feel it, especially when I play roulette. When you see it hit red six times in a row in roulette, you think, oh, well, it's got to hit black now. It's hit six times in a row red. When really, that sixth or seventh spin... Uh, the previous spins to that spin have no effect on the 6th or 7th spin. Every single time it resets, every single time you bet on a new game, on a new sport, uh, on a new event, on a new spin of the roulette reel, the odds reset. So don't think. So if you follow this uh, Martingale system and you get to 0-5 and, and you have to make a, a pretty sizable bet, don't think that that bet 
has less of a chance of losing because you lost the five bets before that. It doesn't whatsoever. That is the gambler's fallacy. If you took Psychology 101 in university, you would have heard that phrase. It's one of them big psychological biases. Um, and also, and then my last point about the Martingale system, that the, all my, um, all my uh, examples here don't even factor in juice. This is all based on if you're betting even money every single time, which we know your bets aren't going to be even money every single time. So uh, this gets even worse when you start factoring in juice. Because uh, if you lose your first bet ten dollars, uh, $10, if you're betting minus one ten, you have to bet eleven dollars the next time. So juice, adding in juice makes it even worse. Uh, betting on money line favorites like a minus two fifty make it even worse. So I mean, it's a system that a lot of people think of naturally. It's not even usually one people look up, but it's one you think of naturally because we're all dummies and we try to figure out ways that we can beat sports books when in, in reality it's impossible. Um. But yeah, the point is the Martingale Mart, Martingale system does not work. So don't try it. And at the end of the day, I mean, what I, what I like to preach all the time is that sports betting should be about entertainment. It should not be about making money. Making money should be a goal, and it should be maybe a, 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 the secondary goal, but entertainment should be first. And if a $10 unit size is your unit size, um, I guarantee you when you lose five straight bets and then your sixth bet has to be a $160 bet, you're, you're not going to be excited for that game to start. I've been in that spot before. I've been there. Hand up. It's not, <laughs> you feel anxious all day. You feel like you're going to throw up. You pace back and forth in front of the TV d- during the duration of the game. At that point, it's not fun. At that point, it's a problem. And that only takes five bets to get there. So please, please, please don't use the Martingale system. It's not a good system. In theory, on paper, in a perfect world, if you had unlimited money in a sports book that allowed you to have an unlimited limit on their bets, then it would make sense. But in practice, it's a terrible, terrible idea. So that's my thoughts on the Martingale system. Thank you to, I said his name earlier, but who was it? Uh, Michael Bowling for that question. Uh, as always, I like answering these kind of questions. So if you ever, if you guys ever have any other sports betting related questions, uh, bacon bets podcast at gmail.com. You can send me an email there, or you can just send me a DM on Twitter. Uh, my DMS are open on Twitter. I don't always respond because I do get a lot of them because I keep them open. Uh, people tell me I shouldn't keep them open. Joe thinks I'm a uh, maniac for keeping them open, but, um, I still do. So you can send me a DM, you can send me an email, baconbetspodcast at gmail.com. But let's get into my picks for the t- uh, for today's show. Uh, as always, really quick here, subscribe to the podcast. If you're not subscribed already, I would really appreciate it. Leave a rating, a review if you have a few extra seconds. Uh, if you feel like donating to the show, and thank you to those of you who have so far, there's a donate link. You can donate through PayPal in the description. Um, some people have asked to donate through Venmo. Uh, Venmo is not in Canada anymore, neither is the carrot not anymore it's not hasn't been here at all neither is the cash app all we have in canada is paypal so um if you want to donate to the show that would be much appreciated um the options there don't feel like you have to whatsoever but the option is there but uh what you can do which is completely free is subscribe and review the podcast and let your friends know um but yeah let's get into it uh we got like i said genesis invitational which is the pj tour tournament this week three college basketball picks two nhl picks for Wednesday, February 17th. And by the way, guys and bets, we have a full show uh, Wednesday as well. Um, my picks on that show will be different from these podcast picks. Um, so don't think that if you've seen guys and bets that 
um, you already got my picks from this podcast. And don't think by listening to this podcast, you're going to get the picks on guys and bets. It's going to be two different shows, two different picks. I'm not going to cross them over whatsoever. But without further ado, let's get into the February 17th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. All right, let's get into the Genesis Invitational PGA Tour Tournament. Uh, quick quick recap of last week's Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Will Zalatoris made the cut, didn't really do anything on the weekend. Henrik Norlander came close, uh, but then kind of collapsed on the weekend. But I've been so close with my PGA Tour picks recently. I think I've been reading uh, reading it well. Um, just, just some weekend collapses from the guys that I've been betting on. But that's all right. I'm happy with how I've been seeing things. Um, I've been doing well with my round bets, with my three-ball bets. So let's keep that going. Um, Genesis Invitational, probably the most stacked field to date outside of, I mean, the Tournament of Champions, but, I mean, that's the Tournament of Champions. So the most stacked field out of all the, the, the full field events so far in 2021, um, played at the legendary uh, Riviera Country Club, one of the most famous, uh, I don't even know if famous should be is the right word, famous among golfers. I don't know if, like, the general public or casual golfers know too much about Riviera. Riviera is like a, a golf nerd, a favorite among golf nerds. Um, in California, close to LA, it's the last course, uh, the PJ tour West, uh, West coast swing. Uh, but very fun event, uh, very interesting course, uh, very tough. It's not going to be a minus and it's not gonna be a 20 under winner this week. It'll probably be around 10 under 11 under 12 under something like that. Uh, very tough course. It's a par 71 measuring at 7,349 yards. What's interesting the most in, about this course, in my opinion, at least, um, is that distance or and accuracy both kind of have their positives and negatives because it's kind of more about placement. But usually when you say placement, you think, okay, you want to hit accurate hitters as well. But really, it's even placement for longer hitters. So, I mean, you can you can hit it long and be in, in a decent spot, or you can hit it long and be screwed. It, like, there's spots on each hole where you don't want to hit it both for short hitters and long hitters. Short hitters are going to have to deal with fairway bunkers more than long hitters. Um, so as long as they stay out of the bunkers, they should be good. And short hitters, if they hit it at the perfect spot, they'll have the best kind of angle onto the green. Um, but long hitters, usually even if even if they you know might miss it left, it still might not be too, too bad. Um, but then like on, on most holes, there, there's like a spot like tucked off to the right long. And if you hit it there, you don't have an angle, a good angle on the green whatsoever. So really, long hitters... Short hitters, they both can have success there. It's really just going to be about how good they are this weekend off the tee. Um, so that's interesting. Also, this is going to be the last event uh, for a long while that uh, guys are going to be punting on. Poana Greens. I finally have the pronunciation of that word down right. I mean, it throw it always throws me off because it's it's two it's like two words. It's P O A space A N N U A. So I want to always say Poa Anua, but it's just kind of pronounced Poana. Um, <laughs> finally, after five years of betting on PJ tour, I figured out how to pronounce that word properly. Um, so look at guys who putt well, specifically at Torrey Pines a couple weeks ago and Pebble beach last week. Those are kind of the two courses that use, uh, Poana greens, uh, more than anyone else, especially out of recent, 
events. And then we're not going to see it again because this is, it's kind of a West Coast kind of uh, grass. So we're not going to see it once they flip back over to the East Coast starting next week. Um, key stats for this week. Like I said, it's tricky because you can win this event so many different ways. So it, it kind of prevents us from being able to narrow it down. Like some events where kind of where holes have like similar, similar lengths or similar designs and you can narrow it down to like proximity to the hole from like a certain distance and things like that. You can't really do it here. You really have to use every single club in your bag. You're going to have to shoot from many different distances. So four of my five key stats this week are just strokes gained stats. Uh, which aren't specific stats at all. Like I said, they're not as specific as maybe proximity to the hole, but um, this is what we have to kind of look at in an event that's really going to challenge every aspect of a golfer's game. So strokes gained off the tee, because like I said, I'm, don't don't look at specifically distance, because hit, long hitters can do well, long hitters can do bad here. Don't look at specifically accuracy, because uh, accurate hitters can do well here, but also accurate hitters might might have a rough week as well. So just total, how does a guy do off the tee? So strokes gained off the tee, greens and regulation percentage, and then strokes gained approaching the green. So we're looking at two approach stats for this week. Um, a big reason is because you don't want to miss the greens here because the areas around the greens at Riviera are very, very tough. It's going to be difficult to get up and down at this course. So guys who are able to get it on the green, and also these greens are, are very fast, very tough, so... Getting it on the green isn't going to be good enough. you got to get it close as well. So we're going to look at greens and regulation and strokes gained approaching the green. And then strokes gained around the green because, I mean, no no one's going to hit the, uh, the green every single hole uh, in regulation. So guys are going to have to scramble. You can toss in scrambling percentage there if you want as well. Uh, I usually just try to, try to keep it to five stats for uh, simplicity, but toss in scrambling percentage there as well. But I put in strokes gained around the green. Uh, guys with the wedge in their hand, uh, when they get close, chipping, their short games, very, very important. It actually seems to be the most important thing out of all areas of their game seems to be chipping at Riviera. And then finally, strokes gained putting. And then I already told you about uh, the Poana Greens. Look out, guys, who putt well at Torrey Pines and that Pebble Beach. So strokes gained off the tee, greens and regulation, strokes gained approach to the greens, strokes gained around the greens, strokes gained putting. Very, I mean, <laughs> those stats are kind of duh this week, and I realize that. I don't really have any any specific stats. I usually have one or two that, that you might not expect. These are all kind of, because you have to have, be good every, sing, every single spot of your game. You can't have a weakness this week if you want to win. Um... See, I'm just looking over my notes to see if I had anything else. I just want to let you guys know. Oh yeah, and I've read a few articles that that compare uh, Riviera to the to Augusta National. Um, outside of obviously the type of grass that they use on the greens, apparently, um, kind of the the layout, kind of what you need to be good at, um, relates a lot to Augusta. And I think I read somewhere. I wish I remember the source. Five of the last seven winners here also have won at the Masters. I think I have that right. So uh, maybe you want to look at uh, performance at Augusta National at the Masters for a good indication of this as well. Um, but yeah, so that's my quick little breakdown of the course itself and of the event and things that you guys want to look for when you're going to pick your own golfers or if you're doing like a daily fantasy lineup or something like that, uh, which I haven't done recently. I wouldn't mind getting back into that. Uh, I've, I'm not a big daily fantasy guy. With The one sport I do like it in, though, is golf. Uh, and I've done well with it uh, in the past as well. I don't know why I've kind of stayed away from that, but oh well. Uh, maybe I'll get back into Daily Fantasy again soon. Um, so my two picks, um, I'm going pretty chalky here. Oh, by the way, Dustin Johnson, big favorite, plus 550. I think I tweeted about it earlier this week. In 
seven of his last nine events, he's come first or second, which, I mean, we haven't seen the likes of that since Tiger. Um, so plus 550, especially in a stacked field like this, that, I mean, that's insane. Uh, I've had a few people message me be like, so is Dustin Johnson the play? I mean, <laughs> I'm not betting on him because you, you guys you guys might know by now, I hate betting on betting favorites pre-tournament, especially when a guy's a big favorite. But if you decide to bet on Dustin Johnson, I, I can't argue against you. Like I said, first or second in seven of his past nine starts. So I can't argue against that. Um, but no, especially with a stack of the a stack of field. Now, if he, um, heading into the weekend, maybe he's, you know, four or five strokes off the lead heading into Saturday and his odds are, are you know, decent value that, that, that might be the time that'll take a shot on him. Uh, but not at plus five fifty pre-tournament. I just can't do it. But in saying that, uh, my two outright picks here are pretty chalky for the most part. I mean, they're, they're kind of in the top group here. I'm, I'm, I'm betting on one long shot, but it's a top 20 long shot. I don't have any long shots to win. Um, but there are two guys I've, I've narrowed in on here, and I like them both quite a bit. So let's get into those. First one's going to be Patrick Cantlay, 14-1. to 1. He was a big favorite last week at Pebble Beach. Uh, he got off to, what, a 10 under, 10 under round, uh, opening round. Uh, I thought he was going to run away with the tournament. Um, and either Friday or Saturday maybe both he didn't play well uh but then he had a decent sunday round he finished tied for third there at pebble beach but i liked what i saw from him i mean i think he tied the course the competition course record at pebble beach with that 10 under i think maybe one off it um but i mean that he's clearly in very good form uh despite kind of having a hiccup there on friday or saturday um 24th strokes gained off the tee 35th in greens and regulation 54th in strokes gained approaching the green so i mean all good no eye-popping stats there, but the main reason why I like him here is he is sixth in strokes gained around the green. And like I said, that seems to be the most uh, important of the five this week. you got to have guys who are going to be able to chip on the green and save par. Um, and maybe even chip in um, to, get, uh, to get a little uh, zero putt birdie. Um, and 28th in strokes gain putting as well, uh, which is good. And he putt well. I think he was like 7th or 8th in the field in strokes gain putting last week on those Poana greens. So he knows how to putt on Poana. He had a good week of putting overall. Um, played last week on a Poana green. I wouldn't say a, a Pebble Beach is not similar, um, but both both courses you definitely need to have good irons. And he played well last week, whereas most of the other top guys uh, didn't play last week. Um so yeah, he's kind of warmed up. He's in good form. I like him at 14 to 1 quite a bit. Um, he's also finished uh, in the top 20 here at Rivera three straight seasons, so he knows how to play this course. He had a fourth place finish here in 2018. So I'm going to take him to win at 14 to 1. I'm going to take him top 10 uh, plus 145. That's Patrick Cantlay, my first pick. My second pick, a guy who I have a love-hate relationship with. He seems to dominate every single time I don't bet on him, and then he shits the bed when I do bet on him. Let's see if we can kind of get synced up this time. I'm taking Bryson DeChambeau, 16-1. to 1. I'm pretty surprised to see him 7th on the odds list here at this event, because that's what he is, 7th. He's kind of, he has the longest odds out of the top tier. There's like Dustin Johnson, who's ahead of the rest, and then you have like, who is it? Rom, Rory, um, Cantlay. Justin Thomas, I think. I should just bring up the odds list in front of me. Um, yeah, uh, Justin Johnson, Rom, Malcroy, Thomas, Cantley, Shoffley, and then DeChambeau at sixteen to one, and then there's a bit of a drop off, and then Brooks at twenty five to one. So DeChambeau is kind of like the longest odds out of the the top tier group of guys. 
And I'm surprised to see that. I mean, remember when he won the U.S. Open there a few months ago? And then the couple tournaments after that, he was like the odds-on favorite to win. So, And it's not exactly like he's played bad golf since winning the U.S. Open. He has two top tens in the four events he's played since then. Uh, he hasn't played a whole lot. He did play in the European Tour event um, two weeks ago. is what, the Saudi Invitational or the Dubai Classic or one of those. And he finished tied for 18th, but he's right up close to the top of the leaderboard heading into the weekend. So he's been playing good recently. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how his style is going to work at Rivera. I mean, is it going to work like it did at winged foot at the U S open where he just gouges the course and just, uh, gets past all of the, the, the potential danger. Um, or is it going to be more like Augusta where he had a terrible week and the, uh, long drives just didn't work for him whatsoever. Now I said, this course is similar to Augusta apparently. Um, so <laughs> maybe it's going to be like Augusta, Augusta and he plays like shit. I hope that's not the case. He did finish fifth here last year, 15th the year before. So he has had success at Riviera. Um, and then let's get into his stats here. First in strokes gained off the team, not surprising. 63rd in greens and regulation, which isn't good, but 10th in strokes gained approaching the green, which is, that's kind of a bigger, like 63rd greens and regulation, 10th in strokes gained approaching the green. A little bit of a bigger difference than what you normally see. Usually those numbers are kind of close, so... Um, I'm guessing when he does hit the green regulation, it's close to the pin and when he, and then, but he also misses a fair amount of greens and regulation, but he's 18th in strokes gained around the green. Uh, so once again, I think that's the most important uh, stat this week and he's very good in that 18th, 75th strokes gained putting. So it, if, I think if there is going to be one stat that's going to let DeChambeau down this week, it's going to be his putting. Uh, but I hope that's not the case because, like I said, fifth here last year, 15th the year before, so he does know how to putt on this Poana grass. He's played here well in the past. I like that price at 16-1, to 1, so that's what I'm going to take him. I'm also going to take him at plus 145 to finish in the top 10. Um, so Cantlay, DeChambeau, both outrights and both top 10s. And then I got a long shot top 20 for you. Not taking this guy top 5 to win top 10, nothing like that, but top 20 at plus 475. So a little bit of a long shot there for for a for a for a nice little payout. I mean, I DeChambeau and Cantlay could completely shit the bed and miss out on top ten both of them, and this could cash in top twenty, and I still walk away with a slight profit. So I like it, and it's Mackenzie Hughes, my fellow Canadian here. I'm going to take him to finish in the top twenty at plus four seventy five. Um, big reason is because it's short game. A short game is the strongest part of, uh, part of his game. He's not a great driver. He's not a great iron player. Um, but he's 43rd on the PJ Tour in strokes gained around the green, 50th in strokes gained putting. So pretty good with his short game. So I, I think he has a chance to let that shine this week. I like that value there for, for him to finish in the top 20 at plus 475. So DeChambeau, Cantley, outright, outright, top 10, top 10. Mackenzie Hughes, my Canadian, my fellow Canadian, top 20 plus 475. All right, let's get into uh, college basketball. Let's start with college basketball, and we'll finish up there with NHL. Uh, these are picks, obviously, for Wednesday night's games, February 17th. First pick, I'm going Gardner-Webb plus three against Radford. Radford Highlanders against the Gardner-Webb, what are they, Bulldogs? Taking Gardner-Webb here, plus three. Um, good stylistic matchup for Gardner-Webb here, I think. 72nd and three-point shot rate. Um, whereas Radford is, does, has terrible perimeter defense, 298th in opponent three point field goal percentage and 39.3% of points scored against Radford come from three point range. 
which is the eighth highest rate in the country. So they truly are one of the worst teams in the country at defending the three ball, and Gardner-Webb likes to shoot the three ball. So great stylistic matchup for them. And then on the flip side of things, Radford is 118th in two-point shot rate. So not, I mean, not ridiculous. I mean, they aren't like a, a team that just keeps it down low all the time. Um, but certainly, I mean, 118th, that's still probably in the top. Um, uh, what, 30%, 35% in the country. And Gardner-Webb has pretty good defense down low, 120th in opponent two-point field goal percentage, and just 44.7% of points scored against Gardner-Webb come from two-point range, which is the 36th lowest rate in the country. Also, Radford turns over the ball a shit ton, 340th in turnovers per possession, so 22.7% of their possessions result in turnovers. That is the 17th highest rate in the country. Gardner-Webb, 111th in this category. So Gardner-Webb's pretty good at holding on to the ball. Radford's terrible at it. They cough the ball over left and right. Now, I will say, I'll be honest, rebounding does concern me a little bit. I think Radford's like 11th or something like that. Gardner-Webb's like 200th. I don't like betting... Um, against teams that have a big rebounding advantage, but um, I'm doing it here because I think enough of the other factors, um, there's enough of the other factors to convince me to take Gardner-Webb as a three-point underdog. So Gardner-Webb plus three versus Radford, my first pick for college basketball Wednesday night. And then we're heading to the Big East. And this is my favorite bet between NHL, between NBA of my five picks for Wednesday night. This is my favorite bet, Big East matchup, Marquette. And it's a money line underdog alert. Marquette plus 115 against Butler. So what I normally like to do is I like to look at all the stats when I'm handicapping a game before I look at the point spread. And this is a good practice, by the way, just for anyone who bets on sports. If you're going to try to learn how to handicap, this is generally a good practice. Look at all the stats before you look at the spread. Come up with a spread in your head and then look to see what the actual spread is. I did that for this game. And in my head, I had Marquette as like a three and a half point road favorite. And then I looked at the spread and they're underdogs. When I'm recording this on Tuesday night, they are two point underdogs. So if I'm setting a team as a favorite and they're an underdog, I will take their money line all day. I think the reason why we're getting this value is because Marquette's lost three games in a row. But don't forget, those three losses came against the three best teams in the Big East. Seton Hall, Villanova, and Creighton, like literally the three best teams in the Big East. Then their last game before that three-game losing streak was against Butler. And they won that game 70-67. to But, uh, I mean, let's, 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 let's list some stats here and why I like Marquette as a Moneyline underdog here. True shooting percentage, Marquette, 119th. Butler, 292nd. Floor percentage, Marquette, 138th. Butler, 262nd. Opponent floor percentage, Marquette 188th, Butler 200th. Now that's not a huge difference, it's only 12 spots different, but still, advantage Marquette. Rebounding percentage, Marquette 80th, Butler 208th. And then block percentage, Marquette 80th, Butler 269th. So I mean, all those main, what I would consider main statistics, so it's not maybe block percentage, Marquette has a advantage, and in a couple of them, a significant advantage. Now, Butler does have a slight advantage in turnovers, but I think that's kind of getting nitpicky. I mean, I'm going to favor more of the main uh, statistics more. So love, 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 love this bet. Uh, take the two points if you want. If you want, I'm going to take money line. Got to grab the value on Marquette here. Marquette plus 115 against the Butler Bulldogs. So I'm betting on a Bulldog and I'm betting against a Bulldog. Wait, Butler's the Bulldogs, right? 
I'm so paranoid. I'm always going to say something. Yeah, Butler, good luck. Okay, <laughs> third and last, third and final college basketball pick for Wednesday night. Indiana Hoosers minus four and four and a half against Minnesota. So this is something I found out looking at well, while looking at these numbers, and no one that I have seen has brought this up yet. But this is this is this is unbelievable. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are the worst road team I think I've ever seen, especially in like a, a Power Five conference. I don't know if Minnesota's getting drunk in their hotel when they travel. Um, strip clubs, I assume, aren't open, but maybe they're getting into these private strip clubs like James Harden because I don't understand how a team can be this good at home and this bad on the road. Listen to these stats. Average scoring margin at home, plus 12.4. Average scoring margin on the road, minus 16.4. That's a 28.8 point swing in their average final score at home versus on the road. 28.8 point swing from 12.4, from plus 12.4 to minus 16.4. That's insane. Their field goal percentage drops also from 43.8% to 33.8%. That's ten. Di- that's a 10% difference in their field goal percentage. Their rebounding rate drops from 49.8% to 45%. Not as eye-popping, still 4.8% is significant in rebounding. Their opponent shooting percentage. So teams, when Minnesota's at home, teams only shoot 38.5% against them. When Minnesota's on the road, teams are shooting 52.8% against them. That's a 14.8% difference. What are these guys doing when they play on the road? It's unbelievable how bad they are on the road compared to at home. I will go ahead and fade them on the road against Indiana at home. I'll take Indiana minus four and a half. Um, Yeah. That's I, I saw that. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Insanely bad team on the road. Insane. Uh, so there you go. Those are my three college basketball picks for Wednesday night. Gardner-Webb plus three versus Radford. Marquette plus 115 on the money line versus Butler. And then Indiana minus four and a half against Minnesota. Um, and then let's get into the NHL. Uh, I've actually done pretty well with the NHL so far this uh, hockey season. I'm pretty happy with it. So let's kind of keep that rolling here. Um... First one I'll get through really quick because it's the same bet I made the other night. Red Wings plus 115 versus Blackhawks. Now this bet lost the other night when I made it. Um, but I think I thought it was the right bet. I still think it was. I kind of defend that bet. So even though it lost, that's why I'm going with the almost the exact same bet again. Well, it is the exact same bet again. Um, Red Wings outshot, them, uh, outshot the Blackhawks in that game 29-24. Uh, they ended up losing in overtime. But, I mean, that's hockey. It was a close game. Blackhawks uh, got a little bit of a lucky bounce there in overtime and, and got the win. Um, but same points as I made the other day. Go read my tweet from a couple days ago. Red Wings, pretty solid defensively this year. Third fewest 5-on-5 five five high danger scoring chances per 60 minutes. Uh, and Blackhawks have been a surprise this season, but they I, I think they've been playing well above their skill level. So I think this they're going to be a good fade spot here as, the, as kind of the record catches up to where it should be. Second last in the NHL in 5-on-5 five five Corsi percentage, giving up the seventh most 5-on-5 five five high danger scoring chances. 26th in shooting percentage. So I think the Blackhawks are going to be a good fade here. Uh, the record's better than what their stats indicate, in my opinion. I'll probably end up betting on them quite a bit here uh, in the days and weeks in the near future. And that's I'm going to hope a little losing streak starts, and I'm going to hope it starts uh, Wednesday night here against the Red Wings. So Red Wings plus 115 against the Blackhawks. And then my final pick for the podcast here, Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers minus 140 against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, this is basically... 
I'm basically going to start doing with the Jets what I'm just mentioned about the Blackhawks. I think their record's a lot better than what their stats show. Um, they're lucky to be 9-5-1, which is, I believe, their record as of right now. This game happened a couple days ago as well. Jets did squeak by them 6-5 in that night, uh, but I think Oilers uh, get get it back and get back in the win column here. Um, Jets, dead last in 5-on-5, five five, high-danger scoring chances against per 60 min- minutes. Dead last. Now, lucky for them, they have last year's Vesna Trophy winner in Connor Hellebuck in net for them, who has stolen them a few games for sure. Um, now, if you're listening to this first thing Wednesday morning, I would jump on this bet soon because um, I don't think Hellebuck's going to play in this game. Now, I have nothing to base that off of, no insider. I haven't seen anyone tweet that, but Hellebuck's played five straight games. So five straight games is usually the number where they switch to the backup for a game, give the starter a rest. So I would not be surprised if Hellebuck sits, and if that gets announced, and you're going to see these odds shift a little bit. So I would jump on the Oilers before they announce the goaltenders, because even if Hellebuck does play, I still like the Oilers at minus 140. I love the Oilers at minus 140, though, if Hellebuck doesn't play. So... Lock this in as soon as possible if you want to jump on this bet or just fade me and take the Jets, whatever whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, Jets dead last in 5-on-5, five five, high danger scoring chances, 20th in, in, in high danger scoring chances, 4, and 22nd in 5-on-5. Five five. Corsi percentage, meanwhile, the Oilers um, better than them in all three of those categories. Also, 4th in most 5-on-5 five five goals per 60 minutes when playing on their home ice. This is a home game for them Wednesday night. So I like the value here on the Oilers at minus 140 against the Jets. So there you have a little quick recap of every bet I gave out on the show here. Patrick Cantley to win. Genesis Invitational, plus 1,400 for him to finish in the top 10. Uh, plus 145, Bryson DeChambeau, 16 to 1. Genesis Invitational, top, uh, top 10, plus 145. Mackenzie Hughes, top 20, plus 475. And then we got Gardner Webb, plus 3 versus Radford. Marquette, plus 115. Moneyline versus Butler. Indiana, minus 4.5 versus Minnesota. Red Wings, plus 115 versus Blackhawks. And Oilers, minus 140 against the Winnipeg Jets. That's all I have for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I appreciate you all. I love you all. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please leave it a rate. At least a little review would be nice as well to help us out. Um, help help out this little, this little uh, young up-and-coming podcast. A, a little one-man show. I don't exactly have a big broadcasting company backing this podcast. It's just me. I don't even have a producer. Um... So that's why you also have the option to donate. If you want to put some money towards the show, maybe I can get some better equipment, things like that. Um, Thank you all very much for listening. Um, Yeah, that's all. Best of luck with your bets Wednesday night. If you bet on the Genesis Invitational, best of luck with that as well. Um, Send some questions uh, either to me through DMs on Twitter or to BaconBetsPodcast at gmail.com. I love you all, and I'll talk to you all next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.